anyways so yeah. good. this is how other people must feel like when i talk about comic books exactly <laughs> yeah, i'm just like <laughs> I, I just glaze over i'm like keep going that's cool i got other things to think about Thanks. i mean there's so much crossover though i'm surprised that i'm surprised that you haven't explored i'm surprised you haven't explored some anime Hi, and uh, welcome to Royal Path. I'm your host, Andrew. I'm going to ask these two other fellows with me. What is your least, or what is your favorite Batman villain? No, I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that. <laughs> we got in trouble for that one. And I liked it, whatever. Um, what is the worst job you guys have ever worked? And I'm not talking about like the most spiritually compromising, whatever. I'm not like this is supposed to be light and fun keep it light and fun but what was like just just the job maybe like first starting out and you're just like wow this is terrible maybe even quit oh, i know i know what's your I, I, I sold knives i sold cutco knives i sold cutco too i did not <laughs> enjoy that i did <laughs> I not sold... enjoy that <laughs> oh no. Sold... no 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 the, the cutco wasn't it the cutco wasn't the worst though i sold perfume in the streets now what's interesting is did you do that too in the streets too. <laughs> southern southern cali southern cali so look here's what's interesting about that i actually know p i know a guy who was so good at it billy nolan shout out to billy nolan if you happens to be watching this in in vegas who started he was so good at it that he started his own company he's now got like stuff all over the place and he's a great guy i love billy he's one of these characters where he's just so fired up all the time he's like a, he's like tony robbins kind of like a ghetto tony robbins like <laughs> who's on like all the time oh, all the time and it's and is so generous and so nice and just such a positive guy and wonderful in every way like i i, I love the dude but i that for me, I just couldn't do it. I just yeah. couldn't do it. Yeah. That was, I think for me, that was, that was probably the worst. Yeah. It's terrible. Both of those for me were one dayers. Yeah. Like, I, mean, I, I went to the orientation. I went to the orientation. I did the whatever. I got the clients, which was like for the cut coat. And then for the, for the perfume, whatever, the cologne, it was out front of Ralph's, whatever. In yeah, bro. But like, after each day, I was like, I can't do this. This is terrible. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I didn't even got to be cut out for it. I mean, you got to be cut, cut out for it. Yeah. I would say, though, for me, though, it was, um, I worked at, um, there is this chain called Just Tires. Mm. And, um, I bust, I, that was like my first kind of real, real job. I bust tires. And How old were you, father? 16. 16. That's kind of what I was asking about. Yeah, that yeah, was, first job. I was 16, and that was, oh, man. I didn't, I didn't mind the, 
it wasn't so much the hard work, you know, I, I didn't mind the physical work. It was just like, I don't know. I didn't like it. Although it wasn't as bad as selling Cutco or perfume. Telling you, man, I'm telling you, those are the worst. <laughs> so I'm going to have to say selling Cutco dyes perfume. <laughs> <laughs> oh. you guys are weird California. Yeah. <laughs> I don't it. it's a it's totally a southern california thing dude it's you know, totally california, california. remember they came with those shears that were oh look it could cut a penny. oh they cut a penny <laughs> that has to be illegal cut it into a corkscrew you cut yeah. a penny into a corkscrew and open your wine with it <laughs> <laughs> Full tang. Oh. was full tang. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> Those Southern Cali things, man. I tell you. <laughs> well, mine was... What was yours? Let's hear it. Um, UPS. Ooh. I worked for UPS for like three months, and um, it was really... I was loading... I was loading trailers and like they come down this, the packages come down this like chute and you can't have any packages on the floor because it's a fire hazard. And so you would load at the back of the trailer, you'd load these walls and then there'd be a, a chute jam. And so you had to run all the way up and put all the packages back up onto the little roller oh, thing no. in the middle, go and break the jam. And then all the boxes just come back down they all spill all over the floor again and then you have to run back up and put them all back up and by the time you got to the front again there's another jam and that was just your whole night was just running back and forth and it was only four hours they wouldn't allow you to work more than four hours at a time because it was such a difficult job and it was during a heat wave and one night i had to go home i was like dude i can't do this like this is absolutely atrocious and the guy was like fine see you later the shift leader whatever screamed at me from across the factory floor to go home and it took a lot of courage to just show up the next day. Be like, yeah, I did that. What are you going to do? I mean, I just, and I went back in. I worked there for about three months and I kept thinking it was going to get better and it never got better. And that was the only job I've just never not showed up to. And they like, they called me and they were like, I see you've been missing a lot of work. And I was like, well, I haven't been missing it. And I was like, I mean, that was like the one time in my life I actually got to say a joke from office space. <laughs> that's my victory from this job so um it was absolutely terrible i really really did not like that job so um so anyway that was a tight five so everyone can we're gonna move and tell them to the core content everyone so got our tight five in um so um i had a way i wanted to kind of wrap two things together because we're at the part where we talk of the creed of the Nicene creed which we've been discussing um where we talk about um we talked about glory and then now we're going to talk about judgment and one of the things that this lent so far has been really difficult and um one of the things that i talked to father a couple of weeks ago but i thought would be really good is because we say us orthodox anyway always say well god is good god is good and like i can definitely say even the good the bad stuff all of it god is good um 
And I kind of wanted to see, and I'm sure Father can, in what way that kind of interacts with judgment. Because it's it's challenging, I think, especially to Western-minded people that someone who is so good can also, his judgment is final, you know, and like, he's not, you can say, oh, it's all good. You know, everyone's, it's all good. Like, don't worry about it. Like, you know, um, you know, even, even the worst of the worst get in and that type of stuff. But um, because this made me think of there's, and I'm done after this, but there's this comic that's pretty good from what I remember. It's been a while since I read it called Shot of Coffee with Jesus. And it was this back and forth panel of Christ holding a cup of coffee and someone talking to him. And this one lady was like, I'm having a hard time figuring out who you are from the Bible, um, because here you are healing and preaching about love, but then you also speak about judgment. And she said, which one are you? And he just said, yes. And like, basically, sorry, that was my phone. Uh, basically, he just said, like, I am both, you know, I am judgment. I, I am judgment, but I'm also love. So that's all I got, Father, if you wouldn't mind. Um, that's and we don't have to talk about that, but I think that's thought, wonderful, actually. I think that's yeah. a wonderful place to start. Did we ever, yeah, did we ever talk about the Pantocrator icon? Have we done that before? I don't no. think so. Okay. Cyprian, you want to pull one up? Yes, I will. Forgive me, everyone, if this has come up before and if it's um kind of old hat and you know, just territory everybody knows but uh <clears throat> you know i'm a big fan and um going to the, the the sources you know the church is the ground of the pillar of truth and so the ecumenical councils the creed our hymnography but also our iconography it shows us so so much right so um which one uh, father should i be uh it doesn't really matter um just pick let's see, say, let me see if i could find I mean, I may need to go over a little bit. Let's see. You know, the Sinai um, one is fine. Sinai. The, you're, you're talking about this one here? Yeah. Okay. Well, let me pull it up in a new window. Everyone okay. probably knows this one already, so it's okay. okay. Um, but yeah, he's both. You know, you have um, the judgment, the holding of the gospel, and the law right in his left left hand and with his right hand he blesses right the the blessing of the lord and the judgment you know it's 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 both it's both and the completion and, and everyone knows this fun one you know i'm not giving anybody anything new but if you even look at the lord's expression in this icon from sinai look at the right the right side you know you see uh you know the the, the benefactor you know and you look at the left side, if you cover it up, you can see the expression, his left eye and his mouth, you know, there's, there's the fierceness of the judge. So, so it's both. Um, and I think. Oh, Father, is that, is that why, because I've always wondered about this, where it's like, man, that looks like the artist. What, was he doing this on purpose? So it's because, so it's actually, yeah. he's the ju judge and the benefactor. Yeah, cover, if, you know, if you cut it down the middle in half, wow yeah 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 wow yeah okay. and, and in fact um 
you know, there's a whole thing where I've done this before where I, I've split them and, and like mirrored image them. And I've talked about how, you know, there's, there's a distortion where people, they want, you know, all blessing. And then there's other people who, you know, they think it's all, it's all judgment, especially since they think they're not the ones getting judged, you know, and, and both of them are, are a distortion. And it's kind of interesting because it's, it is part of his glory to bring judgment. He alone um, brings right judgment. And it's one of the, one of the unique qualities of the personhood of Christ. You know, it's given to the son. Christ is the one who judges, not the Holy Spirit, not the father. Christ is the one who judges. Um, and so part of the problem to what, you know, you're speaking of Andrew in particular, it's not Christ. It's not even really people. And, and although it's really us and our errors, our hubris, our emotional retardation, <laughs> uh, we've, we've kind of exported that to the rest of the world. And so, you know, the rest of the world, for the most part, as I have experienced, people from other countries have had a more mature understanding of things like this, but we've become, you know, we become the kind of standard bearers for this uh, immaturity in regards to spirituality. And a lot of people are just buying into it, you know? Um, I don't want to make it, you know, maybe we could, but I don't want to say it's like a whole thing about democracy per se, but, you know, this kind of childish, um, hyper-individualistic, egocentric, um, kind of egalitarianism really distorts people's understanding. And um, the reality is, is that, you know, Christ's judgment is all good, right? There isn't, there, there is no error in it. And this, this ties back to what we were talking about last week in regards of he is the only pure victim. And so his, his right judgment isn't simply just because he's God, right? Because it, it, it isn't this kind of like, Oh, because I say so. It isn't just simply that. It's he proves it, right? He doesn't just say like, "One well, God, you're not tough. Eat it." It's, it's not that at all. He could, just like he says, if I wanted to, I could call down twelve legions of angels right now, right? It, it's not that at all. It's it's his meekness. It's his humility. His absolute earth-shattering, mind, you know, mind-shaking, uh, soul-shaking humility. Um, and this is one of the, the big, you know, cosmic ruptures of, his, of his, his humility is that he deigned to become a man and to be a servant and to suffer mockery and to suffer, you know, I mean, all, all of the terrible things our Lord endured without having to. He did not have to. People forget that. And this is one of the great Western distortions too. This whole, he was constrained by his justice. All these things is not the case. No man took my life from me. That's what he says. I laid it down. So this is, this is one of the many ways in which he is, he is the righteous and good judge. Um, so yeah. Father, when, when we talk about, I think this righteousness and goodness, I think in some ways this is the hang up for people because... Like, so I, I'm hearing you say good. And it was when you said there's no, it's good because there's no error in it. Mm -hmm. I think that's a different misunderstanding that people, then it sounds like even in that comic panel or other people who I've heard bring this up when they're like, the goodness, the goodness that other, that people are referring to when they say, oh, God is good is like, 
you know, pleasure. makes everything pleasant. Yeah, pleasant. Yeah, people conflate so, pleasure with with goodness. Yeah, yeah. I think that's. I think maybe that was my question in another form. Is like, who's perceiving the good? Because like, there are some people that it's definitely not going to be good. Like they're like, this isn't good. Like this judgment is not good. And, um, you know, I guess in God, so the saying like God is good, it's really referring to it's God is right. Or like he is like, I mean, not like he's, oh, there's, there could be a possible argument against what he's doing, but no, what he's doing is. Like, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not saying this very well. Yeah. So, so I think there's a couple of things like, uh, you know, a couple years ago, um, there was a whole thing when people like, stop saying glory to God for all things. And they brought up Sinjok or sauce. And this is what he said right before he died and blah, 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 you know? But to me, that's all the reason why you say it. Um, Agreed. You know, and, and I think not I think, I know that that's one of the first things that changes in someone's heart when they actually start becoming orthodox and not just simply an institutional, you know, a member of the institution of the church, right? That transformation in becoming actually orthodox is, is this embracing of the, the uh, totality, the kind of uh, comprehensiveness of, of, of life, if you understand what I'm saying. Everything comes into play for our salvation. And an Orthodox Christian is one who accepts that. And, and I'm saying this meaning there's people who are quote unquote Orthodox, meaning they're they members of the church, but they have, not, they have not taken on this understanding yet. Um, and this is more important to your understanding if you're Orthodox than maybe let's say certain kind of doctrinal issues. Because if you don't get this, right, if you don't have the ethos, right, you don't have the dogma. If you don't have this kind of understanding, then you don't understand what, what the foundations and the tenets of the church are. And so this is why for us, you know, and I, when I mean us, I mean, if you can hear me, you are like in the West, in America, you're probably a convert or not a convert. You know what I mean? Like for us, this understanding is so important. And if you really want to get this whole thing of when some people you know, say like, ah, like you've got to become Orthodox, not just join the church. This is like the number one step. This, this, this is probably one of the key, like almost to some degree, the alpha and the omega, you know, I'm not trying to be cheeky or disrespectful to our Lord in regards of things that you have to get if you're truly going to become Orthodox from my perspective. Which is just like not complaining against God when bad things happen. Yeah, I don't know if I just want to say not complaining because we can all fall short in regards to maybe complaining, right? But it's just, it, it's it's more of like an acceptance. You know what I mean? Like um, the whole, like there's certain things that um, this may sound, forgive me how it sounds. I, I don't really ask God's will. I don't go like, oh, what's your will, God? I pray every day, multiple times a day with our father, right? But in the sense of people like, well, what's God's will for my life? And this and this and that, you know what I mean? Like, I don't really do that because, you know, if you're, if you're, living, if you're living your life in the church properly, 
what you'll what you're gonna find is you begin to just encounter God's will. Hmm. That makes sense. Is this mm-hmm. revelation? Is this what revelation is? Well, revelation is revelation is is on the broader level what we all are encountering in regards of like the sacraments of the church, which also include the priesthood, right? And the way that the priesthood functions as manifesting, you know, in, excuse me, as incarnating Christ again to, to the people. So when you begin to understand that, um, yeah, you can go to college or you cannot go to college. You know what I mean? You can uh, be a vegan. You cannot be a vegan. Like there's all these things and, and God isn't really concerned about those things, right? God's concerned about, well, why are you going to school and how are you going to school? You know, like, like, like the why is the thing. And you just find yourself and it, you, someone could mishear what I'm saying and, and see and feel like I'm talking about a kind of fatalism. I'm not talking about a fatalism. What I'm, what I'm saying is, is that it isn't egocentric. A lot of times when people are like, oh, it's God's will, it's God's will. What they're really asking is like, how am I going to get God to bless, bless me doing something? How am I going to find that thing that's going to kind of give me personal fulfillment? And I'm not saying that's wrong. And I'm not saying it's bad. But what I am saying is, in, in many ways, they don't realize that the question isn't wrong, but the reason why they're asking the question is the problem, right? Because if you begin to really enter into this space of, you know, quote, unquote, God is good, right? Or better said, glory to God for all things, what you're going to find is, is that the gift that God's given you a free will, right? Um, if you love God and, 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 you, and you're seeking to lead a God-pleasing life, then the circumstances of your life are, are, are going to be always a gift, right? And we grow in maturity of being able to accept that gift. And it doesn't become so much about what I'm doing, right? But, but the why. And that's very different, right? The why, you know, truly, you, can, you, you learn to become content. Um, contentment with godliness is great gain, as St. Paul said, you know? And I think these, this is, people can say, like, what the heck is he talking about? Well, I have been a very complex, complicated man my whole life. And the more I grow in Christ and the more I grow in my orthodoxy, it's not even some kind of weird, like, almost like you guys were talking about a couple weeks ago, like, this is my new thing, you know, I'm a basket weaver or whatever. It's not like I'm trying to take on some sort of affect to be like, I'm a minimalist. It's nothing like that. You just by default start having a, a simpler life. Mm-hmm. That's one of the fruits of Christ. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, like that's one of the fruits of orthodoxy. Your life just becomes more simple. You talk to anyone who's who's had any serious time in the church. There's a couple of things you're going to find. They've had disappointment. They've had that kind of quote unquote dark night of the soul, and they begin to live a more simpler life. Not because they're trying to emulate something. Nothing like that. It's just kind of like the natural result of it. Well, I've so, seen my values change. You know, like I've even it's weird because I'll sit and think, cause let's say I was not living a simple life uh, at other parts, but it's weird because I sit and I think back on some of those things that seem very important and very valuable to me. And I'm just like, 
why why did you even why did i even think that was like i look back and i'm just like that man why did i even think that was valuable and at the time i thought oh this is very valuable and everybody around me thought oh this is very bad yeah, yes of course this is what i should oh that's very good right but i'm just like wow that's like i would never right. like i would never now i would never do that it's a really interesting and really like visceral experience to be like i would never do that and these weren't even and look these weren't even bad things so it's no. not like i wouldn't no. do these bad things it's just like thinking that i should be going out and buying this or starting this particular business right. that was going to do this or that or whatever and you know it's something that somebody would look at and be like oh that sounds like a really cool business man wow that sounds fun you know and it's like I would never do those things now. Right, I'm just right. not oriented towards that. And let me just let me just submit this. I'm not saying it in an absolute sense, but just something to consider. This is part of Christ's judgment. Right? Because this is part of he's the Lord of our life. Like as Orthodox Christians, we are the ones who can say, no, he's actually ruling and reigning. Not not in a kind of like metaphorical sense. He's literally ruling and reigning in our, in our hearts. Right? And so you begin now to see his judgment on your life because you are his either his slave or you're his servant or you're his son, you know. <laughs> and 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 being in that sense that that judgment begins to play out in your life. And it so the judgment is ongoing, like it's present, it's not a because that's another, it's like the judgment is gonna happen some point in the future, but you're saying the judgment is happening. There's a judgment happening now. There's a, there's a judgment that's happening. There's a shepherding that's happening now, right? There's a final judgment, absolutely, yes. There's a particular judgment, absolutely, yes. The particular judgment is when we die. The final judgment is when the whole world is judged. Yes, absolutely. But there's a judgment that's happening now. Remember, like, God isn't working in this linear sense as we are, right? He sees our whole life in a totality. So it's not like God is absent from all of the things now. And then we show up, you know, at the pearly gates and he's like, oh, there you are, you know, and try and just kind of like gathers all the scattered seeds from the four winds. That's not, that's not, that's how some people think it is. You know what I mean? But God is, God is, is, is with us and looking at us and holding us and guiding us like everybody like now, you know what I mean? And so in the life of a believer in a much different qualitatively speaking in a much different way his judgments are 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 immediate and effectual in our heart right this is this is this is why you know when i tell people like how do i know christ is in my life well i have crosses that i would have never picked i have crosses in my life i would have never chosen ever and that's one of the, and one of, those are the evidences and the fruits of Christ in my life, because those crosses are life-giving to me. But they're crosses. They are crosses, but they are life-giving, you know? Um, and that's a judgment. He says, this is, this is for you. And this is why, getting back to God's will, to be clear, some people, are, I, I don't want anyone walking away confused. When I'm talking about you know, not really asking God's will. I mean it in the way that most people are, are used to it. What's God's will for my life? Like, or another, that's code word for, I'm not feeling like I'm doing, you know, what, I, what, I, what I'm capable of doing. I'm not meeting my potential. That's what they really mean, right? But 
if you're like if you're in this context of like we're talking about like you're an orthodox christian and you've kind of gone through this uh season of of being seasoned and kind of maturing <laughs> you wouldn't necessarily say what's god's will but you say what is the cross that god has for me do you, do you see the difference that's god's will right like what what is the cross that he has for me it's a it's a totally different perspective and this is why people don't get it because they're like the cross is terrible i want nothing to do with it christians christians that's what they, that's what they think you know um and and it, and it's it's a real tough thing you know getting to the whole thing of of good uh you know there's that there's that understanding of you know our orthodox theology being mostly being mostly apophatic right um although people take that to an extreme um because some people thanks to reading um the you know the uh, vladimir lasky and the um, um the uh, mysticism of the eastern church who really kind of introduces the apophatic uh, perspective of theology to most people can you Other? define that can you define yeah. that word apophatic just Thank for you. the people who don't know yeah sorry okay so um there's two ways of understanding right there's apophatic and cataphatic apophatic is negation cataphatic is is positive is affirmative so in other words apophatic is you know um we 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 can't say like what god is we can only say what he's not right? Cataphatic is, you know, like God is this, right? And so um, most people, they'll, they'll read and they're like, oh, orthodox theology is only apophatic, meaning we don't like to say God is this, God is that. We only like to say what God is not, because in doing so, we now avoid the problem which the West is, is prone to do, which is why Hindus always struggle with kind of Christianity, because it's mostly Western construct of like, you know, circumscribing the divine, limiting the divine. Because in, in other words, understanding once you say what God is, well, you've missed it, right? Because God is beyond that, right? That's apophatic, which is very good. And we tend to look at it at God that way. Absolutely. But we don't just limit it that way. And Saint Sophroni, he's keen to say that modern man needs a more cataphatic way because of our weakness right it sounds like there's a i'm so sorry it sounds like there's something going on with my daughter i'll be right back you guys are good i'll be yeah. right back yeah so there's there's a greater need now because of our weakness we need to have that kind of affirmation so in other words yeah you can say god is good you can say you know god is this and that but from the other side of it the apophatic side we're like well what is goodness right? Because the problem is when you say God is good, well, your understanding of goodness, right? How can you limit God to that? Because for you, you're like, oh, God is good. He gave me, you know, a, a great house and, a, you know, a beautiful wife and like, I have a great body and blah, 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 right? But is that God's goodness? Right? Because we would say, no, you know, like, God's giving these opportunities to suffer for my fellow man. God is, you know what I mean? And so I'm like, that's not good. That's painful. Well, you're conflating goodness with pleasure, right? And so that's why the cataphatic aspect is, is it's a bit tricky because it's like, well, how are you defining holiness? How are you defining goodness, right? Um, but we do need it. 
we we do need it and and like i said according to saint Sophroni, who i you know subscribe to in that sense it's appropriate but all this is to say getting back to judgment when we begin to understand that like you know god's understanding of who we are is it's not lacking anything there isn't there isn't a side not just in regards of humanity that god doesn't understand but in regards of us as as unique persons there there is nothing where he's like this is kind of an, an interesting um, turn of events with Cyprian. What's happening here? Like that's not that's not the case, right? And so, because of his intimate knowledge, not just of of our motivations, but how our motivations and our actual actions affect all of creation, all of reality, he's able to step back and see the the ramifications, repercussions of everything where we cannot, right? Where someone would say like, oh. You know, um, Father John's this great guy. Look at everything he's done. He's this and that. He's in that. But God might step back and be like, "Yes, you can see how he had a wonderful voice and a beautiful beard and all this and that." But did you see this, this, and this? You see what I'm saying? And that's why, um, for so many people, they look at us as Catholics or as Orthodox, and they scratch our head, their heads, and they're like, "I just don't understand how you cannot have like." a deep uh, conviction and affirmation for salvation. I just don't understand it. How, you know, how weak is your faith? How sad is your faith? But we understand very clearly because this is the teachings of the fathers, as well as this is the experience when you've actually experienced God, not, not the projection of your own desires masquerading as God. But when you experience God as God is, you begin to see the terror of reality, the terror of our of our smallness, the the terror of the fact that um, we are small and blind. We really don't know or realize the effects of our life, and we won't until the, until the final judgment. Are you following me at all? Right. So yes, I am. So so this is why for us we're like yeah you know if you know, if I make it to heaven or if I'm saved or, you know, make, you know, why do we, why, why do we say, Lord, have mercy a million times all day long, right? This is why, because we understand to whatever greater or lesser degree that the judgment of God is 100% accurate, 100% truth, 100% good. And the corresponding, you know, correspondingly our actions are, are never what we think they are we can't see the whole picture right so this the, the word that has kept coming into my head or the idea maybe the concept that you've been talking about this is one of like orientation mm -hmm. so that like it sounds like and correct correct me where i'm off here because i know i'm probably off like I get orientation because we, I mean, that's, that's what we do. So we're, we're pointed at, at Christ and we can miss, you know, as we go. So then might we, might we start to be able to understand the judgment as like how, if you were oriented perfectly at Christ, you know, you have these set of decisions, you will make the Christ oriented decision on all of these. And that will lead your, existence in a particular path mm -hmm. and it's the judgment is almost like how close did you 
get to that? Mm-hmm. Were you like really far away? Mm-hmm. Like, did you make it like how many of those decisions or how close did you and that and that getting close to that is the salve is salvation? Where am I? Where am I off there? Yeah, I mean, I think it's not so much off, but it's just like kind of like a quality of description. It's like um, uh, it's the difference between Specia drawing a stick man and saying this is daddy versus someone seeing, you know, a picture of you versus someone talking with you on Zoom versus someone being with you in person. Does that make sense? So like you're not off in that sense. Yeah, I, th- I think the thing is, is that, um, you know, there's there's been there's been you can read a couple different accounts of, of how people uh, speculate and or, or how forgive me we don't speculate how um some facet of revelation or inspiration has come to us saying and then they've tried to articulate to us um what this looks like but the reality is is that there's um salvation is is not so much right of course like destination but it's it's the state of being in union with god um and i think that one of the things that we can miss is that uh you know our decisions from from my experience you know there's these there's these um scriptures which are very mysterious to people um, like for instance, like to the pure, all things are pure. And from my experience, um, there's a qualitative difference when someone has had, and I, there's all kinds of ways we could describe this. We could we describe it kind of like final grace, but who knows if they've gotten final grace, um, you know, illumination, like there's all these ways to describe it, like who knows, right? But I just know that there's a qualitative shift in some people. It's almost like I, I can divide people up into two camps and when i mean people i mean like orthodox christians right there's those who've experienced a measure of grace in everything that they do every aspect of their life including their mistakes are blessed they see god even when they sin god is there and they grow in god right <clears throat> and these are this this is the this is that experience into the pure all things are pure and then there's other ones where it's just they haven't come into this place, and it's a, and, it, and it is a measure of faith in the truest sense of trust of God, knowledge of God, intimacy with God. That's the that's the only way I can that's the only way I can describe it and understand it. Um, and and this is where how you're describing it comes up short for me. Not not a fault of you, mm-hmm. right? But I, I, I see I what just, you mean about the stick figure, by the way. After hearing yeah. you just say that, I absolutely see that that was a stick figure for yeah, sure. Yeah, you, you know, you know, like, like it, it's, um, I mean, this is terrible, but I guess this is why we're doing this. This is part of the reason why we do, we're doing this project, right? And so I'm going to be vulnerable and forgive me if I offend anyone or if I, if I, someone mischaracterizes what I'm saying, but, um, you know, there's this paradox and I personally hold it in my life. It's like, I fully could understand and expect and, and to see myself cast into hell. I totally get it. But like, I have a piece about it. Like, I know that sounds so crazy to people, but I know what it's like to be without God. 
And I now know what it's like to have Christ in my life, to have the peace of the Holy Spirit in such a way that um, my heart breaks for people, my heart breaks over my own sin, but I, I, I know that God is, um, God is good in that sense. I know this sounds crazy to people like, it's just, it's, I can only explain to you what, what's in my heart, but um, I have seen situations that have been so terrible and yet I, I've seen something just profoundly hopeful in them. And I can't explain it, right? I can't explain the fact that I have made terrible mistakes in my life. I've, I've, I've hurt people, I've been hurt, all these things, but yet um, there's, it's still in the light of Christ, right? There isn't this, it isn't like there are these things that are just, you know, outside the light of Christ that can't be touched. And there's, I just, I don't, I don't, I can't see that. I can't figure it. Like, this, that's why despair is such a problem because despair leads a person into this distorted lie that there is, <laughs> they, it leads them into this distorted light of a believer that that Christ can't can't love you can't help you can't do anything I, I just don't I don't know that experience I see people shutting Christ out I, I see it all the time right but that's them shutting Christ out mm. the, 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 the one thing that I, I guess to kind of backtrack what I'm saying is it's the one thing that is always problematic is our free will and our choice like the judgment is all about that. All the evil in the world, all of it, all of it is to some degree, you know, it's instigated by the evil ones, but it's facilitated by our free choice, by our free will. They instigate it, but we facilitate it through our free will. And, and, and this is the mystery of Christ and humility is that he doesn't interfere with that, but he finds ways to always be beckoning us and drawing us and transfiguring even there's this wonderful part in the prayer the nafra prayer of saint basil where forgive me for the butcher but basically it's like you know and make the make the evil to be good as well i'll, I'll find it and i'll bring it up. but like it's it's a real thing like when i when i pray that in the liturgy I just, I've experienced that to be true. I've experienced Romans 8, 28, all things work for good for those who love God and call to his purposes. So what I'm trying to say is I don't see life as a series of right and wrong moral actions and judgments or decisions on, on my part. That's not it. I'm not, I'm not looking for God to like judge every single, that's not how I experience God. It's not like a tally system. It's not a tally system. And, and it's, it's um, in some regard, it's odd. It's as odd as looking at a mosaic and zooming in all the way on one piece of glass. Like you can do that, but you're not really seeing the mosaic as it is, right? Does that, does that make sense, right? Like you, you only really understand that piece of glass and the totality of the mosaic. And so context is everything. 
Sorry. Well, well, we have this weird paradox, right? It's like we should be praying every night and taking account of our day, where we sin, where we transgress against people, but not for that reason, not in not any kind of legalistic sense of like I need to atone for this specific thing, that specific thing, but really to see where our hearts are at, really to see where is the Holy Spirit leading and guiding us, where where is the judgment of God on me in this regards of like you know, am I in his light? Am I, am I operating as such? But I can't say you get to this point where even your mistakes, if you have enough faith, you will see God in them. Meaning, meaning not that he caused you to make the mistake or to sin, God forbid, but rather this mistake is, is an opportunity for you to learn and to grow. Just like when I look at my, when I look at my, you know, my 13 month old son, I don't, you know, like, <laughs> what is he doing accurately? Nothing. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't judge him to, to that standard. Right. Um, there's, there's something about watching him grow and helping him make these choices. When I look at my three-year-old son, right. Does he make mistakes? Yes. Does he choose wrong things? Yes. But like, do you, you understand what I'm saying? I think this this has been my experience in in regards of that, and I think for some people they might be like, "What are you talking about? How do I get there?" But you know, to him who has been forgiven much, loves much, you know, and um, there is this place where you no longer. I was saying last night in in uh, class, and forgive me, I'll shut up after this. Um, you know, as if I if I had these like goals, you know, as as a spiritual father, as a confessor, like if I had these goals, it's like, you know, someone comes to me and and they're now like, you know, I'm responsible for them on their spiritual father, whatever. Like, I want them to stop certain things. Like, if if you're with me, you should you shouldn't be doing certain things about two years in, right? About two years in, I want to see you stop, you know being a drunk or a fornicator or whatever, right? Now take in mind, we all fall, but it's the practicing of the evil. That's the difference, right? There's a difference between you fell into drinking or you fell into you know, uh, fornication, right? Versus you're practicing it. Are, we, are, you, are you seeing the distinction that I'm saying, right? It's about two years in, I, I wanna see you out of that. And then we start working on inwardly, like, cause someone can be dry and still just be, you know, hankering after the drink all you know and that happens for people but like you you want to start seeing your heart and your mind not just chasing after you know having sex with random women even though you may not be physically doing it right and then maybe after a few years we can get to this place where not only do you not think that but you're repulsed by those thoughts just the thought of a a strange woman or porn or, or, you know, doing whatever just repulses you. That's wonderful. But guess what? We can even move from there if we can get to the point where like you're, you're, you are just as shook by saying, man, I've, I really wasn't thinking about God today. I was just so wrapped up in like how much I was making in money you know, and, and not in a bad way. Right. Not in this kind of weird adverse way, but just like a normal dude. Right. Like, but you're saying to yourself, man, I forgot God, you know, or like, 
man, you know, I, I really didn't um, keep my rule like I wanted to, and not in a weird legalistic way, but in the way of like, you love your, you love prayer, you love being with God in prayer. And like, it grieves you that you didn't keep it that day because of your sloth. You understand, you understand what I'm saying? Yes. Like, like this is, this is what you want to start. This is what you want to start seeing in your life. Because what that is, is it's Christ ruling and reigning in your heart. And it's the Holy Spirit, right? Convicting you of sin and pointing you to the, the goodness and the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And you begin to want to live a life that's pleasing to God. And this is what I mean, because even when I make a mistake and I make them every day, all the time, like I'm not sitting there like, oh, you know, it's, it's, I trust God now. I know he loves me. I know that he isn't looking for every single misstep so he can squash me like a, like a spider. And that's, that's where that comes from. And that is not the judgment of God. That's not God. That's Zeus. That's that's the devil masquerading as that's that's not God. God isn't a tyrant like that. So that's why you can get to this place where even the evil, even the bad in your life can be used for good. And that's a blessed place to be. That's where you start having peace. Having peace, the Christ that peace gives, it doesn't mean that you don't make mistakes, right? But this is also where John talks about not those who, you know, don't have sin. Like, that's a thing. That's a thing because it's not that you don't make mistakes because mistakes for the blessed are the, are the opportunities of growth, right? But we all know those moments when we've said, I'm going to choose hmm. wrong. That, that's, that's the thing, the choice of the wrong, Yeah. Yeah, the dumbed down version I sometimes tell people I'm working with is that um, you're, God's not the teacher at the front of the class and you're taking the exam and he's just sitting there waiting to nail you. Like that's the devil. God's like the dude that's letting you cheat off of his exam. He's like sitting right next to you. He's like, the answer to number 10 is B, you know? And like, you know, that that's the guy, the devil's at the front of the room. And then this is the last thing I'll say, but Father, when you're talking about... Um, that made me think of uh, St. Mark the Faster. Mm. Um, the, I don't know. He, so uh, I love the prologue, but. St. Uh, Mark or St. James? Maybe it was St. James, the guy that fell with the young woman. St. James. St. James the Fat. I apologize. St. James the Faster. I apologize. So. Um, Every year it's brutal when you read his life. Well, when you go through the prologue, there's definitely this rhythm to the prologue he was pleasing to god from a well yeah i mean most of the time 70 percent of the time pleasing to god from a young age you know opposed these heretics like live to this day you know a life full of hardship and i was one day just sitting down kind of bleary eyed waking up because I, I try to read the prologue early in the morning i you know it's not an everyday thing but i remember like saint james the faster okay and I started reading i was like oh my gosh wow that is an incredible story that's a story that you don't run into all the time. Why don't you tell everyone the story? Because most people won't know. Uh, well, I was hoping you would, Father, because I didn't <laughs> even remember his name. So I learned the story much more than than I remember. Um, but yeah. Sure? well, yeah, Father, please. You sure? Yes, I'm sure. I'm very sure. In a nutshell, Saint James was uh, an illumined and enlightened, you know, kind of elder spiritual father and um 
one day kind of getting to the meat of it, um, a family brought um, a man, a father brought his um, demon possessed uh, daughter to St. James to heal her. And um, in the process of him healing her, um, he fell with her into fornication and uh, he murdered her to cover it up. And um, yeah, so he fell with this basically um, demon possessed, healed her. She was, you know, kind of special needs, however you want to look at it, fell with her, fornicated with her, murdered her to cover it up. And um, I think there's even something else in there, like another account even earlier than that. But the point being is, after such a horrific thing, his repentance was so deep, he lived in it, he like dug a grave out and lived in it, an open grave for like 14 years or something like that. And it eventually came through, you know, a kind of miracle that God had accepted his repentance. And um, he began to uh, be able to work miracles again, uh, being blessed of God, not out of delusion. Um, but it's one of those stories every year. It's just like, it's so brutal. Um, but it's also probably one of the most inspiring stories, just like St. Mary of Egypt or St. Moses, where it's like, you can't, you, you're, it's just shocking, God's generosity. And, and that is what I offer in regards of, you know, God's, Christ's mercy, his humility, God's goodness. You know, I, uh, I ended, I don't even know if I want to say this, but, uh, you know, there's, um, there's this movie, Man of God. Yeah. Mm. Uh, the St. Nectarius movie. Like one of the only times you see St. Nectarius in this movie, even kind of remotely get upset. And this is again, this is a movie depiction. Saint, uh, Saint, uh, Father Cosmos has a really great insight on this type of thing, how people mischaracterize saints, you know, that they don't have any feelings or whatever. But point being is the only time you really see him kind of get upset in this movie um, is like two times. And one of them is when someone says like, like why he's talking to a sick boy. He's like, I prayed. I think this is the situation I prayed. And like my, my dad, like, committed suicide and like God doesn't care about me whatever like I'm like well, I'm not gonna bother or whatever he's like no don't ever say that and there's another time early on when um one of the locals is like you know why why do I bother to pray because you know he's complaining about the pharisaical hypocrites in the in the synod in the Alexandrian church he's like don't ever say that Mina don't ever give up on God like that response of like, no, like, don't do that. You know, for me, I totally sympathize with that because this gets us all the way back to this thing about, you know, when you're orthodox, truly, truly, you know, you, you know that even though something is difficult, God's glory is still in that. Mm. God's judgment is still in that. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? So mm. when we say like, oh, I'm not going to pray or like, God, it doesn't matter. It's just like, when I hear that from people, it, it just, uh, it just, it just rings a bad chord in me. Cause it's, it's one of the things that kind of can get a visceral reaction out of me. Cause I'm like, that's the one thing you don't want to do. Like God can deal with everything, but, but the second you fall into that kind of despair and that, and this is why suicide is a problem. 
because suicide is a kind of final proclamation of like God's judgment. God's judgment is no good. I'm taking myself out of the game. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's tough for people to understand that, but it's like, if you understand that the servant is not above the master, right? Because if we're judging Christ, if we're judging everything just on the life of Christ, that's a pretty sad thing. You know what I mean? Like Jesus lost, hmm. right? He lost, right? He, he, he had a good run, <laughs> but the authorities got him. His disciples scattered and, you know, he was mocked and tortured. That's it, right? That's not the rousing victory of one who came, you know, that's why they rejected him as Messiah. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? If that's the standard by which we're judging, but that's not the standards by which we judge. We know that actually it's in his death that you get resurrection. It's in his humility that you get his victory. You, you understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So the whole measure in which we judge things has to be held up in the light of Christ because he, because he, alone properly judges and do you not know that you shall judge angels right and so us we need to understand what it means to to properly judge right because this is this is part of our uh, gun willing our theosis right we begin to understand and participate in this ruling and reigning with him right there's a whole thing that people are so ignorant to and i don't mean that as an accusation there's a whole thing in the life of Christ. And we spend so much time complaining about the things that God's put in our life. We don't realize that those are the very things that he's given to us so we would learn to be judges. So we would learn to discern. So we learn to know what is good and what is evil. So we learn to know what is wisdom and what is folly. You don't learn wisdom by stuffing your belly and having people pat you on the back and tell you you're right. You learn wisdom by struggling and suffering and being slandered and being crucified. That's what you learn what wisdom is. That's where you learn all of the virtues and you gain all the experiences, right? This is what it means to be, this is the hypostatic principle. We, we put our life in the light of Christ. We judge all of our experiences. We judge all of our experiences in the light and the life of Jesus Christ and his saints, right? So the judgment in that sense, we even begin to participate in it. Is, are you following what I'm saying? You know, oh, 100%. Because, it, I mean, that's kind of the way it has to be. I mean, because my my first, the priest who baptized me, put it very simply, that um, he gave us the garden. He gave us the sweets. He gave us the chocolate. He gave us everything. And we just don't do so good in that. And I mean, like, even St. John Chrysostom said that, like, um, actually... I don't know if this is St. John Chrysostom, but um, I think it is, but I could be wrong that um, actually like God is fulfilling the devil's promise that like eat the fruit and you'll be like God's and God's actually fulfilling that promise that, 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 that the devil made. So us like eating that fruit, we are becoming like small G gods, like we're becoming God, like part of God's like middle management, I guess, like, if he's making a company, we're getting hired. And like, I mean, well, that's why the, that's why death is a gift. Yeah. Cause you said that to me a long time ago. It's like, 
okay you know how batman and superman go through this cycle of locking someone up they get out because they won't kill well god doesn't have that problem god's like no 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 we we need to cut this off because like this can only go so far we can't let this go any further and um we talked about that before about why don't the demons just repent and it's like well you know aside from everything i don't know if this is what you said father exactly but there's really no incentive for them to other than you know i mean they're completely embroiled in the hate and there's nothing they can do uh, i mean i'm bo- i'm botching this but essentially like they don't die you know so like they why? Can because they, yeah they they are they're incorporeal and it's like this whether it's true or not our understanding of how space works right you throw it out there and it's the perpetual movement right Hmm. like they are that movement that motion is set into place right and and that is that's that movement right yeah they have a limited free will they are they they are not made in the image of god in the same way that we are right so so yeah (laughs) yeah yeah this is why they rage against us because we've been given to be made in the image of god that's we should understand our soul we are tripartite right and we project actually our our humanness on god we we tend to look at god anthropomorphically when really we should see our we should see ourselves trinitarianly that do you you see what i'm saying man's soul is man's soul that is the image of god Right, and it's tripartite, right? Like it's three parts, right? Because because that's what God is, right? The angels are not, they're, they're they're they are not made as we are, right? And so they have a limited free will, and when they made their choice, that choice is locked in; it's perpetual, right? But for us, it would have been the same, and that's why God instituted death and allowed that to come, because in that way you know, we, we have the ability to repent because the death is that, is that cutting off point. This is real important to understand because for a lot of people, again, in the, in the life of a believer, right? Even though we mourn death because God didn't create it, as the scripture t- tells us, death is a, is a fruit of sin. God still uses it for our, for our good, right? For our good. No, is, it that we can, is it that we can't, that without death, transformation is impossible? No, transformation is absolutely possible. Um, and, and every Orthodox Christian, if you haven't experienced some measure of transformation, you know, beg God mercy and, and you better get to it, right, before you pass. Uh, this is St. Simon the New Theologian, by the way. But no, what it is, is, is that um, understand our life now as a book almost written in pencil mm. but when you cross over it's a book written in pen and it's done now where the book is placed that can be changed you can't change it you can't change it but the prayers of the church can where the book is, you mean in heaven or in hell father sorry is that what you meant i mean i want to put it that way okay but let's, but let's just say let's just say we know and the church teaches us, we've experienced the saints. So in faith, we, we, we understand this, that um, that the prayers of the church can affect where that book is placed. But what's written in the book is written in the book, right? 
once you pass, like that's that's that. You know what I mean? You're, there is no repentance after death, right? But in regards to God's mercy and when we're placed, well, the prayers of the church can do something. That's the, the church is emphatic about this. 40-day liturgies are um, incredibly powerful, right? And that doesn't that doesn't have to be like right after, right, Father? Because no, no, no. Yeah, no, you can you can, you can offer that. Yeah, I mean, there's there's saints who ask for people to commemorate their parents' day centuries later on. But I, I will say this too: it's also why people need to take suicide very. This is interesting. It's been coming up a lot for me lately, and like people don't really understand like how important to run from. I'm going to tell you something. If you're, if you are a believer, if you're an Orthodox Christian, if you're a believer in Christ, period, but if you're an Orthodox Christian, you're a baptized Christian, being an Orthodox Christian, suicide is not from you. It's a demonic, it's a logos me, it's a demonic attack. Logos me? Yes. What does that mean? Uh, logos me are assaultive thoughts. And they're assaultive thoughts. They're not the thoughts of like, I want a cheeseburger per se. It's more like, I want a cheeseburger because I'm mad that my husband yelled at me and I'm going to eat as many cheeseburgers as I can because it, it, it's going to make me feel better, right? It's a thought. So it's, it's, it's a thought. It's, a, it's, it's the capturing of an image, a person or a place or, or a thing, and it's compounded with a complex thought. It's, it's it, with a passionate with the passion, basically, right? So gold, I can look at gold and be like, oh, gold, it's something that God made and it's a symbol of God's light and beauty, right? But as soon as I go like, gold will get me lots of money and get me lots of chicks. Now that's, now that is a logos me. And now that is, you know, you can look at it a different way. It's the arrows that the demons shoot at us. I put it, they have a life of their own. So it's almost better to look at them as like the attack dogs that demons can use. Or you can almost look at them as uh, uh, they're the horses that drive the chariots that the demons ride in on, mm. right? Logos me are these things that um, most people don't even understand what's happening. And they just think, you know, clinicians, psychologists, they call them intrusive thoughts and they will give people techniques to deal with them, but they never really actually help them because they don't know that they are of a spiritual nature. They don't, they don't address the passions. So, um, just to say this real quick too, all sins are passion. All passions are sins, but not all sins are passions. We can unpack that, but let me just get to this point. Suicide, everyone, you have to flee from it. Like, don't play with it, don't entertain it. Don't, like the second it comes, you need to like pinch yourself. Like, like you, you need to stop it. You need to cut it off and go like, this is crazy. Like you can't play with it because that thought, if you entertain it, you bring that into your heart, you begin to accept it as, oh, I want to kill myself versus, oh, you should kill yourself, right? Oh, you should kill yourself. Oh, no one loves you. Oh no, you're so worthless, right? The second you take it from, no, the second it goes from the you to the I, because it doesn't start off as the I, it's a you, right? The second you go like, yeah, I, right? And you try to bring that in you, right? Now you begin to be, unable to discern between what is you and what is a demonic suggestion and this is where people get led down the path of despair like judas and this is where they end up committing suicide 
And so the thing is, is the church cannot commemorate you. Mm. There can be no 40-day liturgies. There can be no prayers offered for you uh, corporately if you're a suicide. People can and should pray for loved ones privately. That happens absolutely privately. But in regards of the efficacious power of a liturgy, it cannot be offered for a suicide. You see what I'm saying? And this is one of the reasons why the demons push people to to despair because the the manifestation of despair is suicide and that's complete destruction it's complete destruction so this is why we must we must kind of really keep these things in mind right we have to keep these things in mind it's very the the logos me is a little bit like the silver surfer and the demon is galactus right maybe yeah you could say it that way yeah that could work if yeah yeah it works for me. Why not? Yeah, it works. Yeah. It works. This this idea of this it's a very interesting idea because it's of of logos me. This is an interesting idea because it's bringing up for me interactions with people that I have known where even when so I mean I don't you know calling myself an atheist like not being a believer, right? But obviously having some understanding of the spiritual realm, participating in, you know, things of that nature, even though they're left-hand path, but encountering people who I have really genuinely felt like were demon-possessed, like, oh, there's a demon living in this person. It's interesting that when you say that, because one of the things that is a pattern that is time and time again with them is that them saying these sorts of things like, oh, I'm thinking X, Y, Z, like all these, and where I would be like, why are you even thinking that? Like, this is such a weird, it's such a weird thought. It doesn't even, and they're like, I just can't stop thinking it. I just can't stop thinking it. Like, it's just that it's there. And I don't know why I can't stop myself from thinking it. It's not them. Oh man. Because it's not them. So wild. It's not them. Do you remember us talking months ago? Or I don't know. I don't know anything about time anymore. But we were talking about ideas. Remember, we were talking about ideas and like, mm-hmm. oh, like if you don't nurture the idea, a year later, someone else is going to have it, screenplay, whatever. Right? Sure. Yeah. Very few of what you think are your thoughts are actually yours. Which is both disturbing and comforting. Sure. You just have to understand people don't, we don't know what we are. Right. And, and this is one of the things like, if there's, man, it's just, it's hard for me because it's almost like, um, you know, orthodoxy is like that, um, that real kind of like curmudgeon, curmudgeon? Yeah. Yeah, curmudgeon guy in the it's back. the first just, time you've struggled with that word, curmudgeon. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. old cranky man. Yeah, but like you get to them like, oh my gosh, it's the sweetest, kindest, wisest, generous guy ever right that's like orthodoxy there's so many people that are like oh look at all these rules and um you know the clergy they're so dark looking with black robes and beards and the nuns and you know like all this stuff and people like bowing and like where's the joy and it's just like if you actually just kind of like took some time to move past the very which all that stuff to me is awesome but <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> like, I you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. If you actually go deep, like when you start getting into 
the 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 what's called the Neptic Fathers and the Noetic tradition. I've never met anyone who hasn't gone there and been like, oh man, this is true. Oh no, no wonder. Like you're explaining everything. Oh, this is how reality works. This is how human beings are. This is what we're made of. Do you understand what I'm saying? Mm. Because you you start to see like, oh. The Neptic Fathers are just describing, they're not speculative and being like, well, we think it's like they're describing what we are, how we interact with the natural world, how we interact with the spiritual world, how it affects us, how it, you know what I'm saying? It's incredible. And so you begin to see like, oh, because everyone knows what we're talking about. Everyone has had some sort of instance of like this thought just kind of like poking in. It's like, where did that come from? Yeah. I mean, you hear it in language, this idea just popped in my head, like, and people say it and you're like, I know what that is. Yep. I know what that is. But you know, I nurtured those for so it's so weird. If I really think about it, that, and maybe it's because I had like a spiritual practice of meditation of sort of all of these different practices of really paying attention to those things, you know, yeah. but like, I nurtured those, you know, I would nurture and play with those thoughts and really be like entertained by it and be like, oh, okay, so here's the thing to do. But it's kind of like getting back to, you know, what I had said earlier is that those were the things that led me to do the things. Those were the thoughts that would lead me to do the things that I look at now. And I'm like, why did you do right. that? Right, right. And forgive me, Cyprian, <laughs> for cutting you off. Forgive me. Go I ahead, please. Say like Christian, Christ, right? Where's that term Christian from? Well, Christian actually comes from, you read in the book of Acts in Antioch, they were first called Christians, little Christs. And it was a derogatory term actually, right? But Christ means anointed one, right? King, <laughs> right? A king, right? Or in this sense, right? You know, someone may think I'm making a stretch, mea culpa. Okay, that's fine. But the judge, right? We exercise our kingly, you know, calling as Christians because we're kings and priests, right? First Peter, right? We're, we exercise that kingly office, right? Making these judgments first and foremost, if nothing else, in our hearts. What is this thought? Why is this thought here? Does this thought belong here or not? Is this a foreign invader in this, in this kingdom? Is this something foreign and something to seek to defile the altar of my heart? You see what I'm saying? You make that judgment. But if you don't know that that's your calling and you don't work at the skills and the vocation of being a judge, then you're letting any old thing cross through your heart. And, and that's where people get wrecked. Yeah, not being on guard. I, th I, I think that's the difference. This is what I'm noticing is the difference now is that I'm actually conscious of the idea that like, ooh, do I actually want to do that? Mm -hmm. Like, is that actually what I want to do? Mm -hmm. Whereas it was, and, and maybe it's a, maybe it is this understanding of like, maybe that's not from me. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, it's that's it, yeah. That's neptic. Yeah. So what okay. it is, is you're, it's a great example, right? Like, it's not a fair example because, you know, not everyone is studying like you are, but if you practice the Jesus prayer and you practice trying to follow the commandments of Christ, Jesus says, you love me, keep my commandments, right? What happens naturally, 
you don't need to be reading the philokalia and doing all these deep things if you just are simply trying to pray consistently keep the commandments of god love your family live that simple life well the natural fruit of that is you become vigilant mm-hmm. nepsis neptic the neptic fathers the fathers in the philokalia it, they're just teaching watchfulness they're, they're teaching us how to be watchful over the movements of our heart and that isn't a thing just for monks that's a thing for orthodox christians those who are trying to bless are those who are pure in heart for they shall see god so if you want to see god you have to be striving for purity of heart saint isaac the syrian he says it's better to acquire purity of heart than to convert nations of heathens hmm. 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 so <clears throat> wow mic drop but i have i i want to say something that i feel like if we don't address it here i don't know when it would be um and we don't have to dive super into it but because i think there's a lot there but father i wanted to at least make the stance of the church clear on toll houses oh man yeah so i don't think we could make it clear clear as mud maybe but yeah i mean i (laughs) it's uh, um so it's a difficult subject because this is controversial right and i still don't understand it i still don't even have i feel the basics of this idea so i'm thank you for bringing this up andrew it shouldn't be controversial I this is this is the next start. This is the next part of my statement is because I did what nobody should do. And I went on Wikipedia and looked at Father Seraphim Rose and nobody should do that. Nobody should do that about any saint because, man, it's slanderous. But um, the uh, one of the they had to entitle a whole part of the article controversies about and one of them was he wrote this book the soul after death and basically the church said well we're not entirely sure about these toll houses i have to correct you the church did not say that no the church did not say that that's not what somebody said the church oh i meant to say it somebody said the church said that no thank you father because i then i went and listened to father uh the witness of the church is clear about the toll houses. Now that I realize that there's this war on the idea of the toll houses, which I understand why there is a war on the toll houses, it's insanity that any Orthodox well, Christian... Wait, before we go further in the controversy, can we can we get a synopsis of the toll houses, please? Yeah. I'll, hey, I'll handle this one, Father. No, I'm... I'm well, no, I'll, I'll give I'll give it a lay, how a layman understands it. God bless you. Um so when we die we're separated from our body and then um and this is using the language of earth more or less to describe what happens to our soul between now and when we enter the kingdom of heaven um so the imagery that is used uh from saint theodora theodora um was that she had basically died and her a monk that was close to her basically really wanted to know what happened to her so she appeared to her in a dream under the guidance of saint basil i don't believe saint basil the great but another no, saint basil the new mm-hmm. saint basil the new mm-hmm. um and uh she appeared to him in a dream and talked to him basically about what happened it's it's a long story it's pretty cool you guys should check it out it's pretty metal um and she basically had to go through these 14 toll houses 14 
Mm -hmm. um, which deal primarily with sin. So she had to stop at the um, fornication, the gluttony, the gossip, you know, like, you know, all that kind of stuff. And there's 14 of these categories in order. And she had to pass the toll houses in the entire way. She was plagued by demons who were wishing to drag her soul to hell while she was escorted by angels. Um, so, uh, Basically, she she made it through the prayers, you know, and they use imagery such as gold being paid to the toll houses. But really, this is the prayers of the church. Um, St. Basil, the new prayed for her. And that's continually what she kept drawing from was this 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 wealth. And these two angels accompanied her. And then um, the idea is, is that you can fail this as well and you can be dragged down. Um, so say you you pass all of them and then you get to i think fornication is one of the last ones or something like that maybe pride is one of the last ones yeah like judge like um uh mercy like mer like lack like merciless yeah your warm heartedness your soft heartedness or something like mm -hmm. that and um you know you experience emotions like she experienced fear and then relief this is not some deadened spiritual reality like she was like when she first died she was surrounded by demons you know hooting and hollering and making noises like animals with eyes like cold and stuff like that and when she just couldn't stand it no more um her guardian angel showed up and then another angel showed up and stuff like that so and this is basically to take her to the kingdom of heaven and then the, the implication is obviously that um that there are those who don't make it through and that's just for orthodox christians mind you i think that um people who are not baptized into the orthodox church from what i understand don't even do this they just get escorted to a third place and i don't understand that third place very much because it's not purgatory it's it's like another place that you can be prayed out of and this is why one father talked about the 40-day liturgies this is important because a lot of times the sins can be covered through the prayers of your loved ones, through the prayers of the church, through the prayers of, you know, so get in contact with a monastery, pay them money, good money, like not, you know, how, how important is the soul of your loved one um, to help ensure that they can get through these toll houses. And I don't know, some people think it's like a pseudo pagan like idea. Some people think it's too harsh. Some people think that you know, it's medieval, blah, 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 all the usual criticisms of something that is probably, it, it is true. It's absolutely true. The mother of God references it herself. And that's one of the reasons why father has talked about it. And I've referenced it a couple of times. I think that the demons live in the air, like the you know, air is their realm. Asians, right? the, the prince of the power of the air. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot there. Um, one of the problems is that like people, there's, there's, there's a main controversy really brought up. I don't want to start bringing names. It doesn't kind of really matter. But, but the thing is, is you have to understand um, the witness of the Tlauses, it's in the hymnography of the church. If you've ever prayed the canon to your guardian angel, it's, it's in there. St. John Chrysostom, St. Macarius the Great, St. Paul the Apostle. Amen. St. Theophan the Recluse, uh, um, St. Athanasius, uh, um, um, St. John Maximovich, 
the mother of God, mother of God. We just go on and on and on and on. Like it's just, it's in the church everywhere. everywhere. Father Cosmos has a fantastic, like three part. Like two. Yeah. Yeah. He he does Um, does a great job. So, so the thing is, is like what people get stuck up on are a couple things. Like I was an evangelical. I've never heard this before. I've read the Bible. I've never, you know, there it's, it's all these things of not knowing the tradition. And then you have people, um, capital T, right. Tradition. Yeah. Yeah. And you have people who, um, you know, for instance, like if you really want to kind of get into the thing with like purgatory and, and, and I'm not an expert, you know, this is something there's, you know, again, uh, there's no pre-production here, guys, you know, we're just kind of talking, but like, you know, St. Mark of Ephesus, he w- he went to battle with the Latins over this in regards to the Roman Council. And like, there's a whole thing in regards of, you know, understanding the toll houses in, in light of purgatory, because we don't affirm purgatory, although um, it's disingenuous to say that there isn't any overlap, because like with a lot of things, there's overlap, but we see that Rome you know, our issue always with Rome is where Rome does not hold to the tradition of the, in the teachings and the experience of life of the church. And they begin to twist things um, to, you know, kind of tickle their speculative tendencies. So they begin to tickle, or they begin to twist things to tickle their um, political uh, tendencies, which this is the thing we always say, like, one of the things that people understand about why orthodoxy versus Roman Catholicism, like there's all kinds of technical things we could look at, but like what really matters is the spirit of the thing. Mm. The approach of orthodoxy versus the approach of Roman Catholicism, generally speaking, can you find Roman Catholics that have heart? Sure. Can you find uh, orthodox that, that are legalistic and have a very dry, juridical, like outward, external? Sure. But those are people who are not really adhering to their tradition. They're, they're the people that are kind of like the anomaly or the exception. Are you following me? Hmm. Orthodoxy, the tradition, the, the heart of the church is always that of the heart and not the external. And that's part of the reason why people can look at the Orthodox church and be like, what a mess. But like it's the Orthodoxy isn't concerned with certain things um that often we judge by getting back to judgment and so when you talk about purgatory and things like that there are areas in which those proclivities that we see playing out consistently for the whole right of roman catholicism has led to a more um, a greater concern with you know a kind of more juridical understanding, legalistic understanding, more concern in regards of like administration and, and all, all of these all of these things, right? Um, and so I just wanna say that's important to understand because some people go too far and they act like there's no overlap or comparison with toll houses and purgatory. And that's, I think, disingenuous, right? I think you begin to understand more that those tendencies and temptations that, the, that Rome has continued to fall into which is why we are not in communion with them is also where purgatory comes because it's of a speculative nature. It's in its of a nature to take a tradition of the church and it's begun to, to kind of like shape it and mold it towards those proclivities that the Roman church has. 
mm. in regards of, you know, this is Dostoevsky in uh, The Grand Inquisitor, you know, the Roman church taking that final temptation of like all the kingdoms of heaven and power and authority and like doing these things to really subsume and to consolidate its earthly authority, right? Um, this is where indulgencies and all this stuff comes comes in, right? But it's not it's not the same, right? It's not the same. And and I'm gonna say this, forgive me, but this is mostly an adult audience. So people should understand. I, maybe I've said this before. If I haven't, forgive me. But you know, people need to grow up a little bit and not be scandalized by certain things. Because number one, when you realize the free will of man then you, you shouldn't be surprised if you find someone doing something wrong, even if they're quote unquote clergy or they're quote unquote orthodox Christian. Right? Some people, they come into the church and like, they're expecting I'm orthodox now. And then like, why is this person doing that? And they're scandalized. It's like, no dummy. Like, mm. like they're still humans. Like welcome to the new Testament church. None of the epistles were written by Paul or Peter or John to say like, Hey, good job guys. They were all <laughs> warnings and, and admonitions. Right? So that's the first thing. But the, but the second thing that I think is really is really important for people to understand is that the wheat and the tares grow up together, <laughs> right? And so, you know, in, at the end of the age, the Lord will send His ministers to to pull them to pull them up, right? So that that's something to understand. And and you know, getting back to this thing in regards of like the overlap, and this is what I was going to say. Um. I've said this before, even forgive me if it's redundant, but, um, you know, magic, magic is to prayer, right? What um, a husband and a wife making love versus rape, right? Uh, the mechanics are similar, right? But they couldn't be further apart from each other. Mm. Do, 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 you, do you understand what I'm saying? Like, if you understand this concept, if you understand this principle, then something like where the overlap between, or what seems to be similarities between toll houses and quote unquote purgatory are, you won't be so scandalized by them, right? You'll see that there's a difference between um, the offering, you know, of the offering to a monastery to perform 40 liturgies versus indulgences. They're not the same. Just in the same way that some scumbag raping a woman isn't the same as a man making love to his wife. Mechanics are the same, quote unquote, but they're, they couldn't be further apart. Mm. Do, you, mm. do you guys understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Super important because people get hung up on these things. And, and really, if you, <laughs> it's almost like you got to be careful. And this is one of the dangers of our, of, our, of our show here is that sometimes, you know, we try to give the meat to people. But some of it's like, you know, I don't know how to like, I can't reach in, into like YouTube land and turn it off or someone. It's like, if you haven't gotten certain basic things, this conversation might be really tough for you because it's like, you, you're not even, um, you haven't even kind of turned the corner on certain basics. Right. And there's there's just certain basics that um, like this one and the mother of God show are tough for me. Right. For just me personally, like not even as a priest, but just as like someone who loves the church, but also wants people to come to the church is that I realize that, like, you know, if you're not Orthodox, um, the mother of God and something like the 12 is really tough for you to understand. 
because there's so much that you just, you haven't experienced yet to garner the, the kind of faith that allows you to have a new lens by which you can perceive and experience these things, right? So you're trying to peer into something of a spiritual nature. The, the carnal man cannot discern the spiritual, right? So for a lot of people, and a lot of you who are listening, it's not a judgment, I love you, but you still may be very carnal. And you may be, this, we've talked about this before, you may still be actually very carnal and you're looking at orthodoxy as a better political system <laughs> because it's more historically correct, right? But like, that's not it, that, that, that's not it. And so if you have that framework, then when we talk about things like this, it can just seem like, what? But understand this, Byzantium wasn't the church. The church, still, the church is still surviving, existing, thriving, and conquering because Jesus Christ conquers, because he is the victor, right? But if you don't, if you don't have certain things in line, you can't understand what I'm saying there, right? You can't, you can't understand it, right? And so you need to get certain things in order to even kind of tackle some of this. Does any of that make sense what I'm saying? Yeah. And no, and I got to append my own statement by saying that, like, it's not a message of despair, without a doubt. Like, it's, I mean, I, I don't know. But I mean, it wasn't, that was not the point. The point is that it's not like, oh, you know. But it does make you think twice about getting, like, a Twinkie during Lent. You're just like, ooh, I don't know about that. Like, I, I might want to just take it easy on that. But, like. You know, it's possible. We should link. I don't know if we can get away with it. We should link Father Cosmos's talks in the descriptions in this room, maybe. I mean, yeah. Yeah, we could do that. Send me over the ones that you particularly are thinking, either you or Andrew, and I'll link them. Yeah. It, I mean, they're fantastic. I, I went in to them being like, oh, yeah, this, this should be interesting, you know, kind of taking it from that to the end of to the other side of it, just thinking completely differently of it. And yeah, I mean, it's definitely not, um, it's definitely not like a message of despair and I can understand why it would be, um, it'd be challenging to someone who doesn't in the same way that it would be challenging to someone to, to have, you know, like a horrible day, like get into a car accident and, come out and say like well glory to god for all things you know like as someone who's carnally minded be like what are you talking about now you have to deal this whole thing with your car and it's like well yes but i mean this is a correction or this is something that's god doing is in my life yeah, i think i i think something's really important to understand with all this um and it's even like i made a statement earlier today where I could be like, ah, I mean, I could fully expect to go to hell, you know? And people are like, well, what are you talking about? And like, there's a paradox there insofar as um, I don't lean <laughs> at all on, on, on my works. I don't even have any. I, I don't have any. It's all mercy, baby. You know what I mean? Like, I am, I am leaning I can't even say 100%. I'm, 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 I'm putting all my eggs in the basket of God's mercy. But I will tell you this. I love God, right? St. Anthony says, I no longer fear God. I love him. I still got fear of him for sure. Don't get me wrong. But I love God. And, and that's the thing. Um, perfect love casts out fear. And when you have that love, then it changes all these things. Because the toll houses aren't there as like, again, like, 
you thought I was this merciful, meek, humble, loving God, but really, ha, 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 here's the trap. It's not that at all. The way you should begin to understand it is, I have given you the privilege of being made in my image. Mm. I have given you the privilege of partaking in freedom that even the angels don't partake in, right? So to bring it back around world past style, here's, a, here's your superhero comic book quote, right? With great power comes great responsibility. Hey, so yeah. when you begin to understand that, that's how we need to understand the tool houses. We understand the tool houses as, are you living life seriously? And, and for most people, yeah, you know, I'm not gonna walk it back. You should be scared because if you're fooling around, right? And, and you are not humble, if you're not repenting, if you're not actually struggling to live a life that is honoring and loving your neighbor and honoring God, then yeah, woe unto you. I'm not like, no apologies, figure it out. You know what <laughs> I mean? Follow, follow the commandments straight up. Like that's, that's what it is. But if you are actually going to bed at night going, I failed God, but I'm trying and, and I'm begging and I'm leaning on your mercy, then you have nothing but hope and love and joy and grace to count on. That's, that's, that's the difference. God's not interested in your success. He's interested in your faithfulness. Yeah. Like what father said, I'm going to, yeah, that's kind of what I was trying to say to you, but I got nervous as I do, <laughs> but anyway, cause I was like, Oh boy, I don't even know if I should have brought this up, but I'm glad I did. Um, all right, I gentlemen, too, by the way, Thank you, Cyprian. Like you should, yeah, those are good. Those are really good. Those talks are really, really good. Like six hours worth. Yeah. Like they're like, I got, I got six hours. I yeah. got six hours. <laughs> and that's and that's generally what Priest Monk says. It it and it does kind of put on like the macro level or it exemplifies something that happens in the micro level of like your individual spiritual life on like the macro in the sense that like. He says several times, he's like, if you guys are despairing, I don't know what you guys are despairing about. I mean, if you think that like your works are going to get you through like the toll houses, he's like, then there's something deeper wrong. Like what it is, is like the message of hope is, is you fall on your knees and you pray to God for mercy. He's like, I don't see what's so despairing about that. You just have you to know how to pass through the toll houses. I'll give you the secret. St. Anthony gave us the secret. Humility. Hmm. you'll fly right through because that's how you answer accusations sometimes right father is yep you're right you're right i did that yep well I, I tell you this works thing is like this has been a real 180 for me as of late and and like really it's let it's left me i think it's really left me needing christ a lot more because i was somebody who i mean and it's like there's works there's works there that i thought made me great you know what i mean there's things that i had and and things that i had done and all of these you know things where i'd be like oh look at this look at this look at this to myself right like look at this look, and now it's like yeah like you say like now it's like well i can't like they're not even good yeah, you forgive know. me. I'm, I'm like super interrupto guy. Go, please go, please go, please go. But, uh, 
that's another thing. I mean, if there's so many things that I could boil down, like as a priest, I just want people to understand, like, you know, some of you who listen, you know, if, if I'm your confessor, I've said this to you, like, oh, very good. Now you see now why you need Christ. Hmm. Like that's perfect. Bingo. Like, well, what else? I'm like, what else do I have? Which is kind of, it's kind of like this weird, it's required this entire reframe for me because I'm just like, cause then I, you know what I first did father was I started thinking about, well, what would be the things I started being like, okay, well maybe it's just not those things. Mm-hmm. Right. And I was like, well, what would be the things though? Maybe if I had done this or this or that. And every single time I was just like, there was this, just this big meh, like there's no, it didn't add anything, mm-hmm. you know? And that's a re that's been a really weird feeling like this is something that I'm like, it's, it's made me lean way more on prayer because I mean, I didn't, I didn't get upset about it. It's, it's not upset. It's not really been upset. Hasn't been the feeling, but like weird, almost like a, like a part, like something that was like, like, like nakedness almost, you know what I mean? Like, okay, here was this clothes or like, if I had always been wearing like a bracelet all the time or like some piece of jewelry that I never took off. And then all of a sudden I took it off and it's just like, Oh, like I'm naked now. It's a, it's been a very, very weird. That's been a very, very weird feeling, but it's also been, um, it's also been kind of liberating because it's a little dry runner for the judgment. What's that? <laughs> it's a little dry runner for the judgment. Well, maybe because we're going to be naked. That's the thing. You're, there's right. Wood hand stubble wood hay and stubble that verse in Corinthians about our works right being purified as if by fire our works mm. would be like of made of wood hay or stubble like which ones will survive the fire mm. we'll see <laughs> yeah it's a, it's a trip man <laughs> it's the, this has been a great con- it's totally timely for me so i appreciate you both very much so oh, man. um well, it's about that time. So what was your guys's first car and what happened to it? My first you, car yeah, was, was a Ford Maverick. It was what year? Ford Maverick's the Porsche of Mexico. Uh, it was a, I want to say it was a 76 because that was the year I was born. I was like stoked on that, but it might've been like a 78. It was like a 70 something. And it was a tan Ford Maverick, big engine, light body. My dad bought it for me. The thing was awesome. Yeah. How long did you have it? Mm, I don't know. Maybe two, two, three years, I think. And then it break down? I think I wrecked it. I can't remember. Mm. I think I wrecked it. Um, yeah, I remember getting a, I remember spinning out on the 101 with uh, my girlfriend. We were driving as a rain. I remember like doing like a 367 20, whatever on the 101 freeway. That's like my last memory of that car. I think like I messed it up somehow. I mean, I managed getting back home. And I think like that was it because that's like one of my last memories of it. But yeah, as a Ford Maverick, thing was awesome, man. I love that car. That was, that was my first car. Yeah. What about you? Mercedes 300D, 1978. Ooh. Ooh. 
Yeah. Well, you say ooh, but that car. <laughs> was it maybe ooh? <laughs> it's like a, well, it was like, it was um, my grandparents, my dad's parents, they were like all about the Mercedes, right? The yeah, black yeah. half of my family, like they were like, had to, they had all Mercedes. They always had Mercedes, had to have Mercedes. And this was like the one that they had had forever. Yeah. And like, they just, they, they gave it to me. I think my junior year in high school, um, I think they ended up selling it when I graduated from high school. So I had it for a couple of years. Um, sl super slow. Um, the thing was like, that car is so heavy. And like, it's, like it, if it could get to 70 miles an hour, like that would be, that would have been great. You know what I mean? But just like, around town i was the only one of my friends that had a car uh at like age 16 and i mean this car was not worth anything at that point you know what i mean like but it's like they gave it to me it was a relative they kept they had kept it in good shape but um yeah that was a it was a it was an appropriate first car the thing was i could i did not i was totally safe with it probably because it couldn't go too fast but like, even had I crashed it, whatever I crashed into would break before that yeah. car would. It was like, yeah. that thing it's is a tank. tank. It's, it's a, a German tank. tank. Yeah. Diesel. Yeah. Diesel. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Things a mess. Thing was a mess. What about you, Andrew? Uh, I think it was a 88 or 89 Honda Accord. Um, it was a stick shift and it was a hatchback. And I wrecked it. I probably about a month after I got it because oh. I was, I was a wreck for, I was a mess uh, for a really long time. And I just did not pay attention to anything at any times. And I was in trying to find a cell phone that was ringing on my floor. And I suddenly looked up and a car was like five feet away from me and I slammed into the back of it. And not the only time I did that too. I think I did that with another car as well. Mm -mm. And uh, I just, I had no attention span when I was younger and I was just don't look back on those times fondly, but, um, the, I then got a Nissan Sentra and I think it was like an 86 or an 87 and it had no air. The windows didn't roll down. The tape didn't work. The tape player didn't work and the exhaust Very aesthetic didn't work. And but that car never gave me any problems. I remember they paved half of the street I was living on and the other half, they made these like dirt piles with like a driveway. So the people living on the other side could mm -mm. Uh, get to there. And I would go flying down them and like ramp like the hills and like, you know, just like you would jump your car. Oh yeah. Without a doubt. That's crazy, like, dude. I don't yeah. even, that's, that's wild. I've never heard of somebody who tried to like, who purposely Dukes of Hazarded their no, it was Dukes of Hazard Centra, like, <laughs> and it never gave me any problems. And I think Shocking. I only ever ended up giving it up because I got money. I think after my dad died, he left us money, and I bought a better car, and that was the second car I wrecked. So, um, yeah, me and cars. But wow, yeah, I've, ne I've never wrecked a car. I've never wrecked really. A car. Mm -mm. It's a traumatizing experience, without a doubt. I've wrecked a motorcycle. Well, that would I've be wrecked, even more traumatizing. I've, re I've wrecked a motorcycle. You know what? Not actually like weirdly enough. Not that, not that bad. I mean, it's 
I didn't hit another car and another car didn't hit me. That's what's good. I just swerved the swerved it at speed to miss a car and then fell in the crankcase Mm. blasted and the handlebars went all off and the tank got messed up. It was messed up enough that it was considered totaled. And, uh, the, the, the woman that I didn't hit her insurance actually ended up having to pay for a new motorcycle for me, which was wild. Cause there were lots of, yeah, there were lots of, uh, witnesses. She just, it was, I was in Santa Monica getting off the freeway. She tried to go across five lanes of traffic, four lanes. Well, five lanes in the suicide lane. She tried to go across all of them to go from this place to the place across the street. Every there's so many, it was traffic and she just was right here. And, and I went, I was about to T-bone her and I just threw it this way, then got around her somehow. And now I'm in oncoming traffic, throw it back the other way. Right. And, of course goes down um and she got out of the car and she starts looking around like this <laughs> and she's and and everybody's like what are you doing i'm like oh like my arm i thought maybe my arm was broken because i went right down on it she's like where are the cameras that was a stunt man she said like where are the cameras this is like i'm being punked or something like the a stunt man just she thought i was a stunt man because of what had happened <laughs> And there were all these witnesses who were like, what? That was insane. People yeah. Ridiculous. Aren't they? Very weird. I was like, what lady? What? Like typical Santa Monica, middle age, you know, clueless. Oh, man. <laughs> wow. Yep. A lot of California talk. I'm okay with it, but a lot of California talk. <laughs> this, this recording. What are you going to do? do? I was about to ask what a suicide lane was, and I was like, I don't care. It's not. <laughs> oh, no, no. Um. So. Uh, That's a tasty burger. That's a tasty burger. <laughs> um. So that's it, everyone. And by the way, I'm just going to say this. I think that the grandchild of Jim Aparo, one of the most legendary comic book artists of all time, listens to our show. And I'm over the moon about this. I tried to like, I'm not good at doing it via YouTube comment section, but if you're still listening, grandchild of Jim Aparo, and I'm not even sure that's how you say his name. I've only ever seen it written. So I have no idea. This dude drew, I believe, off the top of my head, drew Death in the Family, the death of Jason Todd, Nightfall, the mo- one of the most iconic panels of all time, which, by the way, got translated to a movie of Bane breaking Batman's back over his knee. Mm-hmm. And then, for me, very important, the Aquaman story where uh, Black Manta killed Arthur Jr. So I just got to say, that's incredible. Like, that, I'm, I was over the moon. I was, like, flying on a cloud the next day. I was like, I got to talk to the grandchild. That, like, I have, no, like, almost no contacts other than Kansas City has a fair amount of fairly prominent comic book writers living in Kansas City for some reason. I don't know why. There's That's interesting. The top, if not one of the top dudes, the top dude, or if not the top dude, one of the top dudes at Marvel right now, Jason Aaron lives in Kansas City. Legendary cover artist slash writer of Middle West, Scotty Young lives in Kansas City. And then Dennis Hopeless, who wrote one of the greatest Spider-Woman runs of all time 
um, if not the greatest Spider-Woman runs of all time, all live in Kansas City. And so, I mean, that's cool. I always keep an eye out for him. But I just want to say, grandchild of Jim Aparo, thank you so much for listening. Um, and I'm, I'm really happy you said something. That's really cool. And I'm happy we talked about comic books because then that happened. So, I mean, legendary. If you look this guy up, I mean, he's behind everything. He's one of those guys that you start seeing him everywhere. I mean, he did Brave and Bold hmm. with Batman. Um, he did a bunch, a bunch, a bunch of uh, the rest is failing me right now. One of those guys that when you get into the comic book industry, you start to one of those names that kind of comes up over and over and over and over again. So very interesting for me anyway. Indeed. So um, next week we're doing Living and Dead because I don't want to skip over that because I think that's really important. Um, and then I think maybe after that, Living in the Dead, Whose Kingdom Shall Have No End. I think at the end of Kingdom, Whose Kingdom Shall Have No End, we're going to maybe do a question and answers again. I think that sounds good. Yeah, because it's a it's a good place to take a break in the um and the and the creed, but um, great. I think, yeah. So if you guys got questions, you know whatever. I've been reading the YouTube comments more. Um, I've been trying to make sure that I respond to people because I like interacting with you guys. So I've been trying to do that a little bit more. Um, especially not just because the grandchild of Jim Aparo, but I uh, definitely a huge bonus and an incentive to get me going on that. But I'm just going to say it one more time. Grandchild of Jim Aparo. <laughs> I was going to say that one more time. Um, but yeah. Anyway, we will see you guys next, next, next week. And thank you for having a good night. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.